The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning and welcome to everyone who is here with us. Welcome to those joining us on live stream and especially warm welcome to my friend and colleague, Yemi Gitachu. And for everybody here in the sanctuary, welcome. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. I'd like to invite the Morin family, Juice Morin family, and friends, and parents, grandparents, and good friend Leo to join me up here. And Miriam and Harry and Oriana, why don't you be on this side? And I'm going to have the rest of you kind of gather around. We're going to be practicing as safe distancing as you can in a very small space. <laughs> Everybody good? Good. Okay, Mom? Good. Do you feel the circle of love around you? Mm -hmm. yeah. On this day, the child before us reminds us of perhaps the ultimate gift
for which we are grateful. And we are confident that he will give back to our world much more than we could ever give to him. For children are both gifts received and gifts given. And it is in this spirit that we enter into this sacred rite of passage. Miriam and Harry, in bringing your child to be celebrated and welcomed in this gathering, you acknowledge the need for loving care and your determination to guide him with understanding and commitment. Your affection and devotion will support him for many, many years. Do you promise to do the best of your ability by your example, your love, and your wisdom to lead this child in the way of goodness, beauty, justice, and truth? We do. Oriana, will you welcome your little brother and help him to grow up to be a loving and kind, loving and kind, and to treat others with care and respect? I will. We name our children with the power of dedication on our lips and ever in our hearts. We welcome you in the world and affirm our commitment to you. By your worth, may generations be blessed. May your name generate love and respect in years to come. What name have you given this child? Elliot, William, And if you could come closer to me. With this water, the symbol of oneness for which all life springs, I now touch your brow, your lips, and your hands, and your hands. Where's that other hand, Elliot? Ah, both hands, there we go. <laughs> to dedicate your thought, your speech, and your action to all in life that is good and true and beautiful. May your heart always know love, your mind reach for truth and beauty, your eyes always seek justice. May your hands find labor which fulfills you, your body carry you far, and your spirit forever seek the mountaintop. I just want to keep looking at you, Elliot. <laughs> I'd like to invite the grandparents to come forward. Just stand forward a little bit. I'm going to step over here. Yep, good. Krista and Ludwig, do you, the grandparents, take upon yourselves the privileges and responsibilities of aiding the parents of these children? Will you dedicate a portion of your time to these children, welcoming them and tendering love and wisdom. And now I'd like Kai and Carl to step forward. And why don't you come further out so you can see Elliot while, we're, while you're making your promises. Kai and Carl, you have been selected by the parents to play a very important role in the life of Elliot and Oriana. 
They have asked you to be godparents. The parents see in you a special quality, sensitivity, compassion, and understanding that they wish for you to share with their children, and Elliot totally agrees. Do you promise to support these parents in raising these children, offering them your love, wisdom, and affection, leading Elliot and Oriana by your example in the way of goodness, beauty, truth, and love? We do. And Leo, I know you're back there. Can you come forward? Leo, you have a very special role. Leo, you have been selected by the parents and sister to play an important role in Elliot's life. They have asked you to be Elliot's godbrother. Do you promise to welcome Elliot and help him to grow up to be loving and kind and to treat others with care and respect? And now for our congregation, if you would rise in body and spirit and join in the congregational covenant to this family. We receive this child into this community with deepest affection. It is our hope that his days will hold fulfillment and peace. It is our pledge to Elliot to be loving, supportive, and dedicated to making this world worthy of his coming and growing. May he be cradled by our devotion. For the gift of childhood, whose laughter and innocence keep the world forever young, we all rejoice and give thanks. May this sweet life receive abundantly the blessings of health, love, knowledge, and wisdom, and in turn give back richly to the common heritage that endures from generation to generation. Amen. The gardens of the world are full of many flowers, each different, each unique, each beautiful. May this flower remind us all that each child is different, each unique, each beautiful. Miriam and Harry, I present this flower to Elliot and this rose to Oriana. Blessings. <laughs> you can applaud. <laughs> How much do we need the blessing and welcome of new life at this time? So everybody else, start bringing babies and children to the congregation so we can do more of this. If this is your first time with us here at First U Society, it's so great to have you joining us. You can follow along with the order of service. There are links and you can sign up to get the order of service sent right to your inbox if you fill out our connections form, which if you're on the chat, um, Joe Chapeau can make easily available for you. There's a Zoom coffee hour after service. For those of you who are joining us on live stream, we invite you to join that each week. And those of us who are here are gonna get the very special celebration of Thomas Brown and more about that. Thomas 
has been with this congregation since I think he said at lunch 1993, but we did have a couple of glasses of Prosecco, so I could have that wrong, and I'm sure it'll all be straightened out momentarily. Please note all the opportunities to get connected, deepen your spiritual practices, yoga and meditation, upcoming classes, book discussions to sign up for, and service, justice work. We wanted to let you know in advance that this week's offering is going to support the work of the Star King School of the Ministry. The mission of Star King is to educate people for Unitarian Universalist ministry for progressive religious leadership in its largest sense, too, in our world. It opened its doors in 1904, and it's continued to adapt to the world and the needs of our movement, of our values, sees itself as a school with permeable walls, asking students to engage in three modes of learning these days, online learning, residential learning, immersion learning, and so has been incredibly well poised to transition in this pandemic, already having worked deeply to embrace technology in education. And the school has made educating to create just communities that counter oppression a priority so it becomes a resource for all of us engaged in that work. I want to read you something about what that means today that's in Star King's literature that I loved reading. Star King also seeks to counter white supremacy. White supremacy reveals a spiritual crisis at the heart of the dominant culture. Overconsumption and exploitation are hidden and tolerated for the sake of a quality of life that is neither abundant nor sustainable. Engaging white supremacy involves discovering a deeper experience of abundant life. This discovery in turn means confronting and changing social systems, including economic systems that perpetuate too banal a sense of the good life, making it available to too few and causing harm to too many and the earth. And it goes on in language that is beautiful and inspiring and joyful and invitational. So, it is with great joy that we offer ourselves and our offering this morning in this um, service of Star King School of the Ministry and to help its service to our larger movement in shaping leaders. I hope all of us take advantage of the opportunity to be shaped by their work also. And of course, a huge, huge welcome to Rosemary Bray McNatt, who was here for the installation, was my colleague in New York and New Jersey, and uh, yeah, beloved. So we're really, really lucky to have her here. There are a few other quick announcements. Small group ministries, you can sign up now, so look into that in your order of service and in the newsletter. It's a chance for a small group of people to go deep and get connected in the ways I think we come to church wanting to do, ask some big questions. The annual service for those who died in our streets this year is gonna be this Thursday at Civic Center at 5.30. I'll be there, invite you to join in, and if you're coming and you want to find me, just text me and we'll pick a spot and meet up. It's um, an important witness to what is happening on our streets that we own and take responsibility for and mourn until we can find a way to change it. And of course, Shirley Gibson's memorial is going to be this Friday streamlined, so if you haven't already registered to be there or heard about whether there's a spot available, just please join us on Friday night. That concludes our 
brief invitations. I want to invite us now to deepen ourselves into this hour with our meditation on breathing, which many of you have told me is a mantra and a song you use to get you through life. When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out love. When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, Now, please join me in saying the words of our covenant printed in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to speak the truth in freedom, and to help one another.
Good morning. Good morning. And um, don't give me that gift. Now you know I'm crying, right? <laughs> Good morning. I am Scott Miller, a member of this congregation and also a member of the uh, Facilities Advisory Committee charged with the maintenance of this beautiful sanctuary and center. Today, we are celebrating the retirement of our beloved sexton, Thomas Brown. We welcome the guests of Thomas and family who are here today, here today to share in this celebration. When Thomas started working at UUSF in 1993, he already knew a lot of things. His education in electrical circuitry began when he was a young man in New Orleans, where his electrician uncle would bring him along on his jobs. Thomas was small enough to slide into crawl spaces with his flashlight while his uncle instructed him on what wires to cut and which to attach and what electrical loads were safe. He never forgot a thing. Later, he served in the Marines in Vietnam and then in the Army in Germany, where he learned to cook, rising to the levels of expertise until he became first cook. Back in New Orleans, he went to college and earned an associate degree in culinary science and food technology. He never forgot a thing. Later, he learned woodworking at a lumberyard and a sawmill. He never forgot a thing. Relocating to San Francisco, he worked at restaurants, then at a child development center cooking for children. And there he came to us in 1993 as a sexton. Thomas could do pretty much anything in this role, and he says he learned a lot from our beloved and deceased Mike Thomas and many others. Naturally, he never forgot a thing. During his 28 years at UUSF, Thomas experienced a great deal. He met and became partner of Peggy, with whom he has been with for 23 years. Thomas has five children, some of whom are here today. Two are in New Orleans, two in Texas, and one in San Francisco. A few years after Thomas started at UUSF, he was diagnosed with lung cancer, so severe that he had to undergo surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy. A few years later, Hurricane Katrina destroyed the homes and churches of his mother and his aunt, both of whom came out to San Francisco with the help of our community. Later, Thomas went back to New Orleans to rebuild all four buildings. He knew how to do that. Thomas can do pretty much anything, but his effect on the church goes way beyond his considerable skills. 
He loves his community and has shown it in countless ways over these 28 years. When we interviewed him for this talk, he mentioned many people in this congregation that he saw grow up, and many have children now themselves. He cares about people, adults and kids, that he meets here, and we care about him. We will miss you, Thomas. Well, well, I tell you, as I stand there looking at you guys, it's kind of hard. But I got, I, I ain't going to break down, though, because you guys have been like a family to me. Margo, yeah, Margo, you did a lot for me when I was going through my chemo. But I gotta stay, <clears throat> I gotta still thank Ben Barrett, Susan, Linda Edgar, and a lot more. You guys have been my family for the last 28 years because this place here is like my house. Because I was here from sun up to sundown. I was here sometime when nobody knew I was here. <laughs> because this was a place where I would come and I could have peace of mind. This sanctuary that I stand in now, I watch it tear the whole thing out. And I was here to help put it back together. Even as, as I watched them put the beams in the buildings, we did the floors, I was here with them all the time. But this is my house. I've always called this my house. And I've always looked after it. Because the people here always looked after me. So I figured, Fast change, you know, Robert. But overall, the person that brought me here in 93, he's not here right now. Close friend of mine, by the name of Donald Johnson. But, you know, I told him I was going to be here. But it's hard, though, but it's still, I still love this place. I'm going to miss it. And I know everybody's going to miss me, but I'm going to be around, though. You can believe that. I'm going to be around. So I got to thank, I'm thanking everybody now, for those that's not here and the ones that's here, and all my kids. But I know they're around, though. Hillary, Sam, Chris, oh, a lot of them. They got kids of their own now. So I guess I'm grandpa now. So. Anyway, I want to thank all of you guys for all the years I've been here. And best believe me, I loved it. But I'm going to miss you guys. So the jazz music today is in honor of Thomas. The Cajun reception, which Ben Bear and others are making possible, all the cookies and baked goods, signs of other people's loves that have come in today are in honor of you. And we're moving the prayer up in the service because when it came time to write it, it 
was too much about you, so it's better time for it. Please join me in a spirit of spoken and silent meditation, deepening prayer. God, we know by so many names, but most powerfully by the presence of love and loyalty and the connections that bind us to one another and to life. For all that is our life, all its mystery and heartbreak and exasperating beauty, we give thanks. For the seasons turning what passes and what endures, we give thanks. And this morning, in recognition of how we all tend the garden around us, care for a place and a people, whatever is set before us, before we hand them on to another's tending. And so this day we give thanks for one gardener of Eden. We pray for Thomas Brown, a man full of spirit and heart and light, who has been part of this community and its people for over 28 years. Thomas Brown, who lived and worked and ministered with kindness and a fierce love, whose wisdom and clarity of mind and heart, whose smile and strength, all of it modeled for us what a shepherd looks like when the sheep are us, when the fields are this. We give thanks that Thomas found his way here, spirit of life, and stayed. <laughs> we know that this place is better and stronger because of his life and work, and that what he has built and strengthened here will reach beyond his life as it does beyond all of ours. We give thanks for so much for all that is our life. And this morning, for Thomas Brown. May we live like people animated and inspired by such gratitude. And may Thomas Brown's next chapter of life be blessed as richly as he has blessed us. And power of the universe, don't let him stay away too long. Amen.
Each week we recognize the places of suffering and struggle in our world. And this week we hold up three such places. As we have since February of 2019, we name and hold up those who have and continue to be held in detention camps and those who struggle at our borders trying to make a life seeking asylum. In this long history of xenophobia and racism and greed that threads through our history, we name those who are suffering most this hour. And we ring our gongs seven times for the week of days that this moral failure has continued. We ring our gong once additionally for the losses to COVID-19 and with gratitude for all those who are working to protect human life and for the call to the universe that we might speak with our actions to the interdependence of life that will be our salvation if and when and as we live into it. And finally this week we hold in our hearts the people of Kentucky who suffered great losses of life and property in the 40 or more tornadoes that struck that state and surrounding areas this week. We hold everybody named in our thoughts and in our prayers. And we ourselves recommit to ease the tide of human suffering this coming week, howsoever we can. Over its more than 100-year history, Star King School of Ministry has held fast to its commitment to religion that is both liberal and liberating. At the school's heart is a passion for transformative education and a belief in the possibilities that lie within human beings. Thank you in advance for your generous support of this work and of ours in the world. And now the offering for the works and ministries of the Star King School for the Ministry will be given and gratefully received. Those here in the sanctuary can give in the baskets at the back of the sanctuary as you leave today or online. Those at home can give through our online donation portal or send checks. Thank you in advance for your generosity. Mm -hmm. 
Our reading this morning is an excerpt from a poem entitled Lament by Rainier Marie Rilke. Everything is far and long gone by. I think 
that the star glittering above me has been dead for a million years. I think there were tears in the car I heard pass and something terrible was said. A clock has stopped striking in the house across the road. When did it start? I would like to step out of my heart and go walking beneath the enormous sky. I would like to pray. And surely of all the stars that perished long ago, one still exists. I think that I know which one it is. Someone to hold you too close. Someone to hurt you too deep. Someone to sit in your chair, to ruin your sleep, to make you aware of being alive. Being alive. Someone to need you too much. Someone to know you too well. Someone to pull you up short to put you through hell and give you support is being alive, being alive, being alive. Someone you have to let in Someone whose feelings you spare. Someone who, like it or not, will want you to share a little, a lot, is being alive. Being alive. Someone to crowd you with love. Someone to force you to care. Someone to make you come through. Who'll always be there, as frightened as you of being alive. Being alive. Being sit in my chair and ruin my sleep and make me aware of being alive, being alive. Somebody need me too much, somebody know me too well. 
Somebody pull me up short and put me through hell and give me support for being alive. Make me alive. Make me alive. Make me confused. Mock me with praise. my days, but alone is alone, not alive. Somebody crowd me with love. Somebody force me to care. Somebody let me come through. I'll always be there, as frightened as you, to help us survive. Being alive. Being alive. Being everyone. Before I continue, I want to thank Reverend Vanessa for inviting me to speak, to the staff and the volunteers who've been so gracious in helping me prepare. I want to thank Rochelle, one of our school's newest board members, for the beautiful music that we've had this morning. I'm so appreciative. And of course, I want to bring greetings from the students, faculty, and staff at Star King School for the Ministry, now located on the campus of Mills College in Oakland, California. We are in the thick of it now, that season of often cloying cheerfulness. Though Hanukkah is behind us, much of the spate of winter holidays is still before us. Yule and Christmas and Kwanzaa, all the way through to New Year's Day and January 6th, the Feast of the Epiphany. The events of last January 6th will forever be linked with the near death of American democracy. So I'm grateful for my Catholic upbringing to give me another memory of that day. So many holidays, so much enforced joy. It takes a toll on a lot of us. It taunts us with the missing faces and the missing voices of those we cannot see this year and those we will never see again on this side of Earth. My parents, my in-laws, my brother-in-law, they're all gone now. Each year, the list of friends we contact grows a little smaller. These past two years of pandemic life have left us awkward and stumbling. When I was younger, I took holidays for granted. 
the way I took a lot of things for granted. When I was an editor, my last career, the press of the holidays were different because winter holidays for magazines come in July. By the time it's actually Christmas in the real world, we were working on spring and Easter. That meant I was free to meet Bob's parents at church for the Christmas Eve performance of the Messiah, hang out for a few days in New Jersey and come back to New York. By the time I had children, it was different. I was a minister by then, responsible for Christmas Eve, at least the services. But we had our own new family rituals, church, dinner at a diner in Manhattan that rotated every year, home to open one present before sleeping, up the next morning to catch a plane to North Carolina in time for Christmas dinner. One by one, the lights of our lives were dimmed year by year. The Alzheimer's disease that stole away my father-in-law inch by inch except for one miraculous Christmas dinner where Mac knew everyone and everything. Thanksgiving was the holiday for my family in Chicago until my mom got sick. In 2017, she was so ill we thought she'd die and I asked God for one last Thanksgiving. We got it, and we all came home. I refused to admit how sick she was, but I can see it now in the photographs, those last photographs. And in that following winter, she slipped away in a hospital room full of 14 of us. That next Thanksgiving was filled with tears, but it changed to laughter soon as we told stories and consoled ourselves with the reality that she had lived long enough to see her beloved Cubs win the World Series. Just a little over a year ago, Bob's mother died at 102, just as she wanted to, in her own bed, in her own home, on land that was part of the farm on which she had been born and raised, a life lived full circle. So many people, so many friends, so much family gone, I no longer take anything for granted. And most of these things happened before the pandemic, a time in which all our losses seemed less intense and more intangible unless we were actually sick. The sense of safety, trips to the theater, traveling for work, going to work. My litany here is no different than yours. Even from this pulpit distance, I can see above your masks some of the pain and some of the tears in your eyes, the longing for people that you will not see again, the loss of parents and children and friends and colleagues and jobs and homes and health and leisure and safety. I don't know about you, but sometimes I want to cry out, why can't things be the way they were? Why can't we go back to what it used to be? We can't. 
because that's not how life works. Everything is far and long gone by. I think that star glittering above me has been dead for a million years. And now the wheel of life has turned again to this season, this time when once again everyone insists on cheerfulness, even though cheerfulness is the last thing on our minds. Even before the pandemic, some of us were not happy to see family or even wanted to see them. Some of us are hurting and some of us are grieving and some of us are angry and some of us are too embarrassed to do anything except pretend. But here is what I know, at least for myself and at least for today. I'm alive and so are you. I am alive, and though some days it feels as though I have been left behind, I also know that I am thrilled and grateful to still be here. There are still things, so many things, for which I am grateful, to which I am dedicated, that give me joy right now. Right now the cute guy in the 10th row that has been my constant companion for my entire adult life, the two smart, creative, hilarious children that we've raised together, my wonderful siblings and their children and grandchildren, the work I get to do, leading a Unitarian Universalist institution that we treat as a force multiplier, training a whole generation of religious leaders to disrupt white supremacy culture wherever they go, being in relationship with this congregation and the Hinckley Fund that you support that in turn has supported our work for years. I want to invite you to think about the sources of your joy this morning. Think about your own dedications. Think about your own satisfactions. Think about all those things you love that are still here. Think about all those people you love that are still here. Think about this faith that you love. This faith that is still here because of you considering that if you are listening this morning, you view this faith of ours in its finest moments as a gift of great value. This liberal faith of ours gives us the gift of freedom to believe or to doubt, the gift of reason to consider what we know of life and to compare it to the timeless wisdom of many people from many places. We have been given examples of courage in the service of humanity and a love that encompasses all of life. And you, in this congregation, have done your part in this great work. These are the kinds of treasures that transcend the seasons. They are not gifts to be hoarded, but gifts to be given away. They enrich us, each one of us, but only if we give it away, again and again, no matter what season we find ourselves in.
There is so much in our life that is a gift and much of our life that is awful. Yes, it has been a terrible two years of this pandemic. Yes, it has been a terrible year for democracy. Yes, it has been a terrible year for freedom and the rights of marginalized people everywhere. That is the truth. And when you think of those things, you may be drawn deep into a vortex of despair over what we have lost and are losing. But I want to encourage you to resist despair and embrace being alive. For as long as we live, there is hope, a chance for things to be different, a chance for change. I want to encourage you to take time in this season of manufactured feelings to embrace real joy about real things, things that will last, things that will nurture you in these long months until the light changes and the flowers bloom again. It is essential for all of us to celebrate the gifts of this life even as we acknowledge our sorrows. Because sometimes it's only through connecting what is bitter and painful and making sure that we admit to these feelings and own them for ourselves. It's only through this that we eventually gain the capacity to celebrate. Rilke, in his despair, only asked for one star still to exist. But his lament was an understatement. There are so many more stars. They are up there, out there, on the far side of the universe. And here we are, tiny in comparison to all that was and is, but after all, still here and still shining still glittering as best we can amidst our own cares and our own weariness, hoping to strengthen ourselves, longing to step out of our hearts and go walking beneath the enormous sky. Because of this faith tradition of ours, because of the work it calls us to do in every season, we are likely to be among the folks ready to march, to tutor, to rescue, to protest, to write letters, to get arrested. Because we believe that faith without works is dead, it may even be our default position to work and act in the face of sadness and loss. It is a human thing. It is an understandable thing. There is so much wisdom in placing our own losses in perspective by working with and for others whose losses are greater, whose needs are more acute. We are right in those inclinations and in our sense of urgency to do what we can for those who live their lives so much closer to the margin. But, but in this tender season, I want to encourage you to take a beat, to take a breath, to be as kind as yourself, kind to yourself as you can possibly be. 
Be as sad as you need to be, but take every chance you get to find something to be happy about. Open your heart so that you might meet the needs of others, but start by opening your own heart to yourself. Embrace your whole life because being alive is precious. Look to the enormous night sky then and the stars glittering above you. Consider not just the stars that perished so long ago, but the ones that still shine. Then move your gaze earthward to the constellation that is you and yours. Even in your sorrows, take time to rejoice. Take time to shine. Take time to be alive. Amen. greatest gift of all. Live it, love it, love one another. May it be so. Amen. Amen.